Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to the Omerpreneur podcast. Every single week, I bring to you entrepreneurs that are really creating innovative solutions here for the Muslim Ummah to share their experiences, their value, their insights, and their journey with you so you can learn more to progress and succeed in your own journey of entrepreneurship. And today, I have with me a very special guest, Sister Maryam Amir, who is the creator of Qariya, which is the woman's first Quran recitation app. I'm super excited to dive into this conversation, kind of get to know really the uh, inspiration behind this idea, Maryam, and, and what kind of inspired you to do this, as well as just your journey so far creating this business. So I'm excited to get started. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum. For highlighting the app. We're very, very, very honored and excited to be speaking about it today, inshallah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm excited to dive in. So Really, for us to to get started and, and kind of get a background, I want to know more about you. Okay, you are the creator behind the app itself, so you you've been inspired to bring this vision to life. Can you walk me through what is it that inspired you specifically to create something like this? So I really did not know that women were involved in Quranic spaces at all, even in mm-hmm. my own Quran memorization journey. Of course, I had studied with women who had memorized the Quran, and it was really difficult for me to find a sheikha who I could study with continuously because I would study with one and then they would have something come up and then I'd find another and then something would come up and months and months and months would go by before I found another teacher. And so my whole Quran memorization journey took seven years because one, I was working and going to school full time. And then on the side, when I was trying to to memorize, finding a teacher that was consistent was very difficult. Mm -hmm. When I was, I had gone to Cairo to study, I came back, I was doing my master's at UCLA and that's where I could not find a teacher. And as I was trying to find a teacher who was a woman and not being able to find a single one, I then learned about Sheikh Muhib Fulda. And Sheikh Muhib Fulda is an incredible Quran scholar. He has ijazah in every single recitation style of the Quran, every single qira'ah of the Quran. MashaAllah, his 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 memory with the Quran, his love for the Quran is so powerful. And at that time, I was like, you know, I've never studied with a man. I don't know if that's even permissible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I started asking and I started researching and learned that well, obviously it's it's a sheikh. He's 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 mashallah. He's a grandfather. It's okay because I'm trying to learn and study. And so I started studying with him. Sheikh Mohib changed my life in so many ways, but especially when it comes to myself as a woman and the Quran. And this is a story that I've shared many times when talking about Qari'ah. It was this moment where Sheikh Mahib told me that he wants me to recite the Qur'an at the welcome banquet for the Qur'an completion ceremony. And I said, Sheikh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm, a woman, uh, Sheikh. And he got so angry. He yelled at me. He had a picture in his classroom, an article of Sheikh Um Sa'ad, who was a, um, a great Qur'an scholar who passed away um, in the early 2000s, may Allah have mercy on her. Amen. And subhanAllah, her, you know, she had some of the greatest students, some of the greatest Qur'an that we know in our time as her students. And he pointed to her and he was like, do you know the impact of women in the legacy of Qur'an, women as Qur'an reciters, women as Qur'an scholars? And that moment for me was such an awakening because I had no idea. I had never seen it. I had never known about it. I had never heard about it. And so from there, with Sheikh Mohib's mentorship, I began to study the idea of women being Quran reciters. And I started reciting in all women's ceremonies, like, you know, all women's events, all women's halakhas. 
And then I was invited with Asadajina Yusuf, who's the author of Reflecting on the Names of Allah. It's a beautiful book on the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We were invited by um, Al Buruj Press to give lectures throughout the UK. So we were traveling throughout the UK. And as we were traveling in these all women's you know, events, there were like 400 women on average, they would come to these events and listen to us talk. And then I would recite. And subhanAllah, I cannot tell you the amount of women that would come to me. And I tell you the numbers only because the sheer amount of people, women who would come up afterwards in tears saying they had never known a woman could recite the Quran. And I'm not a great Quran reciter. If you hear the Quran reciters on our app, they are next level, mashallah. But even at my basic level, they had never heard that. Women who told me that had they known that they could pursue Quran recitation, that they would have done it instead of the choir at school, or they would be reciting the Quran to their children instead of singing lullabies at night. And I'm not saying lullabies are wrong, but they never recite Quran because they didn't know women should recite out loud. They had been told that women should whisper even in their own room, that women shouldn't memorize the Quran because one day they're not going to remember it. If they become moms, they're never going to leave tarawih. So what's the point? These are the messages that all these women had been giving me. And the most powerful to me was a woman who had driven four hours away from her hometown, who we had visited the night before. We were touring through the UK. So the night before, we had been in another city, in her city. And she didn't want to go to the event. Her friend went. And then when her friend came back and she told her, you have to go to see this person and go to the event because you're going to see something you've never seen before. So she drove four hours from the city that we had been in the night before to visit the new city we were in. And she was in her 50s. And she told me afterwards, she sat with me so emotional, tears in her eyes saying, I have never heard in 50 years a woman recite the Quran. I didn't even want to go to the event. My friend said, you have to see something you've never seen before. And I saw you recite. And how do I do it? How do I memorize the Quran? For me, the UK event after event, hearing this from group after group of women, that for me was a turning point because I thought, I, I know it wasn't my experience hearing women Quran, recite the Quran growing up, but I thought maybe, I don't know, perhaps other people had access in other ways. But to go to another country and to keep hearing the same thing. And then I started, I've been very humble to travel in, in many parts of the world to give lectures. And many parts of the West, women keep telling me the same thing, whether it was in Switzerland or in Canada or in Sweden, it doesn't matter. The location of the West, Muslims in the West have often said that they never even knew that women could be Quran reciters. Mm -hmm. When I kept hearing that message and thinking about the reality that Sheikh Muhib had helped me experience as a woman finding my voice with the Quran, I thought, subhanAllah, we have so many different role models right now. We have TikTok influencers, we have movie stars, but we're, we're women with Quran. And of course, we love listening to Abdul Basit and Minshawi and Saad al-Ghamidi and may Allah have mercy on, on those who have passed and bless those who are living. Khalid al-Jalil, like their recitations, Tabarakullah, Mahran wa'aqli, when you hear them, your, your, your body just shakes in, in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's powerful words. But it's different when you have a physical manifestation of someone you can look like, someone you could aim to be, someone who might have similar struggles to you. And so when I kind of was... SubhanAllah, talking to different scholars about this idea of women and Quran, eventually when we had the pandemic begin, this is when everyone was lonely and scared and tired and frustrated. And many messages we were receiving from our beloved leaders of our ummah were things like, this is from our sins. This is because we, we are a sinful ummah, you know, a lot of punishment. 
and people were feeling very, very lonely and just in despair. And I remember that feeling very acutely. And so I thought this is finally the time after 10 years of speaking to scholars about how are we going to help women feel connected to the Quran? How are women going to see other women? This is when I launched something called the Four Mothers Campaign on Instagram. And you can you can actually hear them. They're still in the highlights at the Miriam Amir. They're still highlighted. You can listen to all of, not all of them, but many of the previous ones. I just had a call for women to listen to women, that men are welcome to scroll past my page, to block me, don't need to listen, but for women to hear other women reciting the Quran. The response to that was so immense. It was so, like thousands of people were listening every single day. We had so many women from around the world just reciting the Quran and I would share their recitations. Women who didn't know how to read Arabic were reading the translation and I would share their translation. And subhanAllah, that, that explosion of women's emotion with the Quran, getting messages that for the first time in 10 years, a woman was praying again. For the first time in her life, a woman was starting an act of worship, walking back into a masjid after she thought she'd never walk in. Or most especially, women who told me that in their young age, when they were in their teens and starting to like fully memorize the Quran, they were told they can't keep memorizing because the imam can no longer teach them because they are women. Yeah. Young women, very young, with 12, 13, 14. So their brothers became half of the Quran. Her brother would become a half of the Quran or multiple brothers would become hafal. And she had stopped because she didn't have anyone to teach her. And that pain of not being able to connect in a way that she had loved, she, oh, and I heard this story multiple times. I'm using the singular, but many women told me this particular story. They loved the Quran as a child. They became resentful and angry that because they were a woman or they felt so sinful that somehow they were such a temptation to a 40 year old man at 12 that they couldn't, you know, process their, their, their being. And because of that, they had stopped even opening the Quran. And so after decades, they were opening the Quran again, and they were thinking that they want to recite the Quran again, too. Those messages were so hundreds every week. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless everybody. And then I started interviewing women who were Quran reciters from around the world. And in that process, hearing from so many women that they wanted to listen to the recitation, I realized that it's not enough for us to have like Instagram lives. We need, we need an app. We need a woman Quran reciters app. And so that's kind of like the background, very short summarized background of how Qadiyah came to be. SubhanAllah, what a beautiful, beautiful story. And I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And there, there's so many things that came up uh, in the stories that you shared and, and so many impactful j stories that people have come to you to share as well through what you're doing, mashallah. Now you started creating Qadiya app at, at what point in time, uh, actually, how long ago did you start this project? So it began in Ramadan 2021. The mm -hmm. idea was actually in Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we began speaking to a developer immediately after Ramadan. So the whole process from the beginning of speaking with a developer to the actual announcement, which was Ramadan 2022, um, was a year, alhamdulillah. Okay, alhamdulillah, amazing. And is this app now launched or is it still in the process of officially launching and being available? Alhamdulillah, it's launched, it's free, mashallah, we have been downloaded. And so there's 197 countries in the world, alhamdulillah, 157 countries are using Qariya, alhamdulillah. Amazing. So alhamdulillah, I'm so Inshallah. grateful to say it's worldwide, mashallah, it's on Apple and on Android stores, alhamdulillah, we are working on version two. So we wanted to launch the basic version, just the mm -hmm. most basic version to get out there while we worked on all the other features. So alhamdulillah, we're still working to, to it'll, it'll be a huge difference from what it is right now, inshallah, but alhamdulillah, we're out there right now. 
ultimately, what is it that you want to do with this app? If you could summarize it into one sentence, what changes or impact do you want to make within the Uma with this app that you're building and that you've launched right now? Creating a culture of women passionately reciting and loving and confidently feeling connected to the Quran. Mm. And that, you know, you said change in the Ummah and I pray it'll be in the Ummah, but you know, our Ummah is so, so diverse. And mm. that includes scholarly opinions and the way that's impacted policies in different parts of our Ummah. So when you look at Malaysia, for example, one of the Quran reciters on Qariya, her name is Farhatul Fayruza. Um, and we have multiple from, uh, mashallah, from Malaysia, three of whom are from the older generation who won competitions in the 1960s and international Quran competition in the 1960s, mashallah. So these are women who have been part of a culture where Quran is recited and it's just part of their norm. Tarhatul Fayruza, for example, she has her own television show and she recites with two other men who are qaris of Quran and they three recite the Quran together. They take phone calls where people call in and they recite. They, 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 they have this recitation together as men and women. And it's just part of Malaysia's culture. It's not seen as something haram or sinful or aib or any of these words that many of us hear in the West when it comes to Quran. And their, their scholars approve that and support that. So when we look at Morocco, subhanAllah, the reciters from Morocco, our reciters like, I mean, when you look at the app, you're going to see their names on YouTube when you search them on television, on competition stages. Hajar Busak, Qariya Hajar Busak, Hajar Busak, she is one of the judges of the competitions in, um, in uh, Morocco. I mean, subhanAllah, Nigeria, you have Zainab Zaylani. Again, when you look at these women, they are women who are reciting in front of men. They are women who are reciting with men. They are scholars who are reciting together. So this is part of their norm. When I'm, when I'm talking about Qariya, it's different here because we've never heard this before. Mm. When I approach them, for them, it's like, oh, that's really nice. That's a nice project you're working, working on. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. It's not, whoa, that's crazy. I've never heard that before because they have Quran on television. They have Quran on their radio from women. I am not trying to change that culture in America. Our culture is very different. Our scholarship here has come from different parts of the world. And we've established a certain norm. And that goes back to the masajid that were founded and who they were founded on and how that's created our policies. That's fine. I don't, I'm not trying to shift a whole culture of men and women's recitation. If that happens, that's, that's not my goal. My, maybe that could happen in a different way. No problem. There's difference of opinion. Sheikh bin Baz himself, rahimahullah, says that it's permissible for men to listen to women recite the Quran. And so many scholars do. And if you have questions on the fiqh of it, we have a whole FAQ that anyone can read on Qariya, Q-A-R-I-A-H dot A-P-P. Go to the FAQ and you can see all the lists of the discussion of scholars on this issue. But my point is, I only mentioned three of so many countries in the world where this is their norm. So the impact for that part of the ummah, I'm not sure how big of an impact it would be. Although I pray that it would be a benefit and that inshallah, these women will be able to be examples for all of us in different parts. But here, for example, United States and many places where there are no women reciters, where women have grown up never seeing women, the aim is for women to feel like we can hear each other's voices with the same intonations that we have, reaching the pitches that we have. I recite very deeply. And people always people always say, why are you yelling when you recite? And I'm like, I'm trying to sound like a man. I, I don't know how to do it like a woman. I don't know what it's like to recite like a woman. It's only now that I've started this that I'm hearing women's recitations all the time. And so... For me, it's being able to create a culture where women who don't have access to women and who maybe have had access to men, 
which like I did, and I loved listening. Oh, my subhanAllah, I never thought, I, it never occurred to me that I wanted to hear the Quran in a woman's voice. That was never something I have thought of, like as growing up. I, I, I loved hearing to men's recitation. It didn't occur to me, it's men's recitation. It was just the Quran, right? Mm -hmm. So like listening to them for me was, I want to be like them in my private life. I want to recite the Quran like this. I want to recite the Quran in my home like this. It never occurred to me, I want to recite the Quran with other women in an event where we have a conference just of women's Quran recitation, a competition just of women's Quran recitation, just of women reciting Quran. Maybe other women in different communities here have had that. I know the Tibian Center, mashallah, Minnesota, mashallah, they have they have graduated women and men who have won on in the Dubai International Quran competition from around the world, mashallah. So that's next level. When you grow up with that culture, may Allah bless the community and the sheikh there, mashallah. This is very different than the culture I grew up in where I never even yeah. saw it. And being able to, to give women access to that when they don't see it, when it's not their norm, when they haven't grown up with it on TV or in competitions and knowing that it doesn't have to be just their mom reciting privately to them. It could be them reciting in, on stages. And it's not about being seen. It's about the feeling of being heard. It's subhanAllah, it's completely transformational. SubhanAllah. Uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And did you receive any messages, any specific like feedback from people who've downloaded the app or maybe you witnessed what it is that you're doing and they've experienced an internal change in their relationship with the Quran? I know even personally, you've been to events and you've seen that firsthand, but through the app, have you seen that same effect happen to other women in other in different parts of the world, really, who who have that kind of inner transformation? Wow, there's you know, other sisters just like me who are reading the Quran so beautifully. And that re-inspires me to reopen and rebuild this relationship with this beautiful book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, yes, alhamdulillah. I'm so grateful to say that we've been so, so humble to receive messages from everywhere. Women who are asking how they can be Qariyas on the app. Women who don't know Quran, but they're saying like in their 10-year plan, they want to become a Qariya. So what does that look like? Women who love singing and they love to use their beautiful voices for singing, but they're like, wow, this is a platform where I could potentially use this for Quran. How, how do I even take those steps? Um, one of the most moving messages, not and not I, not just one, a, a theme, a theme of moving messages that we've received is, alhamdulillah, we have been so honored to have women with disabilities on the app. So we have a woman with Down syndrome and a, and a girl with Down syndrome, may Allah bless them. Um, we have multiple women who are blind, may Allah bless them. And because, mashallah, they are, you know, so important for our ummah. Our ummah is made of so many different types of people and different abilities and disabilities and typically able to, uh, people. And mashallah, hearing from parents saying that their five-year-old daughter with Down syndrome or their 13-year-old daughter with Down syndrome doesn't want to listen to any other reciter except for any reciter from the app because it shows women with Down syndrome on the app. Um, it, it, that th Those messages to me are just so moving that there's this new connection of young children who are saying, that they want to memorize the Quran and they've never said this before to their parent. To have a parent message and say, my 12 year old is memorizing the Quran because she wants to be a Qariya. That is a generational change. That is a cultural shift. Exactly what we are praying that we can do, inshallah, that, you know, they don't grow up thinking, oh, maybe one day I'll memorize the Quran. Maybe, maybe not. It's, oh, I have a goal in life and it's to be a Qariya. And inshallah, to be able to do that while they are also, you know, whatever they are in their lives, whether it's moms as, as an adult or whether it's a, um, a non-mom, whatever it is, just being able to hold that in their heart and, and seek it is subhanAllah, such, a, such, a, such an honor for us that people would want that. Also, the other portion of this is, unfortunately, 
as I'm sure you know, and unfortunately it's the reality is we have a lot of women worldwide and men who are the victims and survivors of abuse. And when that abuse happens in the form of religious weaponization, it can impact the way someone feels with Quran. So unfortunately, I have heard from too many women where they have sadly said that um, they have been the survivors of sexual assault or domestic violence, and it's from a religious figure. It's, uh, it's, it's justified by using the Quran or justified in some way. And of course, that, that is a next, a next, that's the type of trauma that is so difficult to process because their one safe space, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is, you know, the religion of Allah is weaponized against them. And so even though they were a child when it happened, or they were a young teenager when it happened, or even as an adult, they are still processing what that means. They've shared with me that Qariya has given them a place where they don't remember the pain because it's in the voice of a woman if the abuser had been a man. And of course we love our brothers, not by any means that doesn't mean that we don't love and respect our brothers and our brothers are also victims and survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Absolutely, 100%. And it's sometimes very difficult because they can't speak about it. And who are they going to turn to in a culture that says that you're not supposed to even share your feelings, let alone something like being a survivor. But for women, having heard from so many women that this app has given them a place where before they would shake when they would hear the Quran, they would physically start shaking because they would have so much anxiety that they couldn't listen to it anymore. They would recite it on their own, but they just couldn't listen to it anymore because all of the reciters were men and that would trigger their trauma response. And if you're listening to this, and I've heard people scoff when I talk about this part, like, well, what's wrong with their iman? They need to just, no, if, you're, if your response is that, you don't understand. And that's all I mean. I'm not trying to convince anyone. If you don't understand, may Allah bless us with empathy and understanding. And I pray you never have to go through this or know someone that you love has to go through this. But the, the point is that these women saying that for the first time they feel like they can sit and feel tranquility when listening to the Quran and feel it help in their healing process along with the therapy that they're going through and everything else that they're trying to do to come back to Allah. It's so multifaceted. It's not just, oh, my iman feels stronger, which is a million percent exactly what we want. But also my iman feels stronger because I feel like I can heal from trauma that I've been through and I can reconnect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of that. Or my, my, my children are saying they want to become qariyas inshallah one day because now they see women who look like them and they want to emulate that. I mean, subhanAllah, it's, it's such a humbling experience that it's been so multifaceted. And the other aspect to this is that here in the United States, we are actively reciting hafs, usually. Majority of us are reciting hafs. So we've gotten so many messages from people saying, you have so many mistakes on your app. Like, there's so many people who recite the Quran wrong. And I'm like, no, you just don't know warsh. You don't know the other khalaf an hamza. You don't know the other qira'at. And so hearing women say that now they're listening to warsh all the time because they love one of the reciters who sounds like, her voice and she's in reciting in Warsh. So that's been really cool. Just something I didn't expect was introducing different types of qira'at to different parts of the world who may not have been exposed to it before and potentially bringing culture where, mashallah, we have so many different types of, you know, women reciting in different types of qira'at. So I think that's a really cool aspect that I hadn't planned on in the beginning, but something that's been really cool coming out of it, alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah, that's beautiful to hear. And one question that I have for you is, you know, as an entrepreneur and founder of, of a business, 
there's a lot of challenges and obstacles that we face as we want to build a product, launch a product, and really market a product. And for you specifically, not only are you going to face these obstacles and challenges I'm sure you have within the actual building side of things, right? Like within the business, maybe issues with developers, challenges with deadlines not being met, which every entrepreneur faces. But also, as you mentioned, you might even be faced with challenges externally in terms of people kind of reaching out and saying, oh, hey, you know, this might not be right. I don't approve of this specifically. How do you deal with that internally? How do you keep your mindset, you know, just focused on the outcome that you want to achieve and the impact you want to make and not let certain messages or people who might disagree with you really bring you down and hinder your progress? The biggest thing is istikhara. I I, I just panel istikhara. I, I, one, in the process of even beginning the Four Mothers campaign, a million istikharas, making the Qariya app through the Qariya app, announcing the Qariya app, istikharas, post the Qariya app, as we're doing part two, istikhara, because there is so much good in advice. When people criticize, sometimes they may come from a place of, of malignment, and that's understandable, but some people really care sometimes. They care about their ummah, they care about the Quran, they care about Islam. They don't want to see it incorrectly. They don't want to see it presented incorrectly. They don't want to see it, um, you know, just doing, they don't, if they, especially if they care about you, they'll give it as, you know, sister, I know you're trying to do something right, but Islamically, this is not permissible and fear Allah. And so first, I recognize that that comes from a place of generally a good place. Sometimes sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's you're the uh, female Dajjal and uh, you're Aldabila, like all these things I'm not going to say. So those people, we just block and may Allah bless them and forgive them. But there are other people who they care and they're worried. And so I turn to Istikhara all the time because, you know, while this app is done with, alhamdulillah, so much scholarly backing, we have, mashallah, half the women on the app are scholars themselves. They're not just reciters of Quran. They're scholars of fiqh and hadith and so many different aspects of, of Islamic law. And alhamdulillah, we have spoken with scholars from all over the world as we were creating the app and putting it forward. So alhamdulillah, from the Islamic standpoint, I understand there's a difference of opinion when it comes to men listening to women, but the app is marketed for women and it's only for women. So if a man's going to download it, while half the app reciters won't mind because they recite in public with the, excuse me, with the Quran scholars for men anyway, that's on them. You know, it's clearly a woman Quran reciters app. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is only Allah knows what the good is and only he knows where success is. And so I make a stakhara because, oh Allah, I could think it's a good idea, but maybe it's not. And only Allah knows the future of myself and the ummah. He knows my hereafter and the ummah's you know, future. Mm -hmm. So just any time I've made a stakhara about the app, I feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has answered me. <laughs> I feel like I got a sign so quickly. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that I would be in distress and I'd make istikhara. Within hours, I would have a clear sign. Like, you know, sometimes you make istikhara and you're not sure if this is the right answer or the wrong answer. Mm -hmm. You're making dua, you're seeking, you know, you're seeking consultation with other people. You think you're making the right decision. But other times you get a clear sign and you're like, subhanAllah, I can't, this is clear sign. Anytime I've made a sahara, I feel like the clear sign has been so clear over and over and over and over and over. I've never, ever doubted what the way the, the direction should be after that. So that's the first thing. 
And the second thing is actually something that Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif, rahimahullah, I, I can't even believe, subhanAllah, that we're saying rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him and enter him into the highest paradise, Ya Rab. I mean, um, I asked him for advice before launching Qariya about the way that we talk about it. Because we know that there are people who are going to disagree with it here because it's such a strange idea for a lot of people. And something that, you know, something he shared with me, and I'm not going to share like the, the advice, but I'll share what I took away the takeaway for me was focus on the work that you do and don't get it, don't get distracted by the noise. Just focus on the work and keep going. I have the audience are women. This is for women. And subhanAllah, Allah knows that the intention is inshallah to bring the Quran, revive the Quran amongst women who many of whom are mothers and many of whom are going to be teaching the next generation the Quran. Where do we want the next generation to feel in their connection with the Quran if their own mothers don't feel that connection? And so just, just that, that, that gift of being able to keep going mixed with making a sakhara and immediately receiving messages from women right after about how the app has impacted them. Alhamdulillah, those, those things have, have, of course, also the scholars who keep reminding me that it's such important work and to keep going. Alhamdulillah, it's been such a blessing to have that type of support. Alhamdulillah. Your relationship with the Quran, is that something that you feel like was always nurtured ever since a young age during childhood? Or is it is it uh, a newfound relationship that you've developed? And when I say it could be recently, it could be 10 years ago, but did you spend essentially, were you one of those people where throughout your entire life, right? Ever since you were a child, you were raised learning the Quran and reading the Quran and, and, and you just kept up that relationship throughout your life? Or is it is it a relationship where, you know, you had that connection, maybe at some point that connection was lacking and then the connection got revived and ultimately you fell in love with it to a point where you're like, okay, I really want to share this with others. Because I feel like when someone gets to your point as an entrepreneur, a business owner, um, or even within the Dean, it's usually because there's, there's a certain moment that happened in our lives where we might not have had that connection. And then we realize the value of it mm -hmm. and we've rebuilt like that love for it, right? That love for the deen, that love for Islam, that love for the Quran. And, and, and so much so that we, we felt inclined to share with others. I'm curious as to your personal journey and story. Can you share that with me? If you're okay with that? Yeah. So my parents really found Islam in college and, um, they met many years later, got married, and now they have this, like, you know, this, focusing on loving Allah in the way that they instilled in, you know, me and my brother, they tried to like focus on Allah's love. I never really heard about hell or sin or punishment. Those were not like concepts that I was really, that were emphasized um, in my, in my childhood. Um, most of my family members are converts. And so I didn't really have the culture that a lot of people might have. Like if someone comes from Egypt or Pakistan or Somalia or like different parts of the world, maybe there's a certain culture related to Islam as well, where a lot of kids are like, is this culture or is this Islam? I'm still trying to process that. I didn't have that. So my understanding was really like, kind of like, you know, Allah loves you and he's there for you. And also these are things we do and these are things we don't do. But I, I didn't really feel connected. And I remember, you know, at that time, my greatest goal in life as a young person was to be Britney Spears. Like who didn't want to be someone like that? Well, a lot of people didn't want to be, but that was kind of like the, the aim of, you know, my, that was kind of like the goal. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until Allah blessed us with going for Umrah and going for Umrah when I was in high school, seeing the Kaaba just changed my life. It just absolutely, subhanAllah, changed my life. And 
I'm so humbled and grateful that Allah blessed me with that trip. And I want to, I want to say that I know many people who see the Kaaba and they don't feel anything and they wonder what's wrong with them. Allah doesn't require us to have a feeling. He asks us to be sincere, to do the intention and the action. So sometimes when I share this story, I've had people say, but I haven't felt anything when I, when I went. And does that mean I'm a hypocrite? No, it's kind of law, you know. I, people have different emotional reactions, but you went and you go and you worship, you still worship, even if you don't feel, you worship, you do the action and, and the intention. But alhamdulillah, seeing the Kaaba for me, it just changed my life. And then I came back and I wanted to read the Quran, but I barely could read Arabic. My parents had put me in um, a Quran class when I was younger, so I could kind of read, but I haven't opened the Quran in years. I hadn't touched it. And when I was trying to read it, it was very slow. I didn't understand what I was saying because I didn't read no Arabic. And I just, it was so painfully slow. So my mom, one day she was like seeing me that I was trying to read the Quran every day. I felt that connection in Mecca. And I was like, how do I maintain that here back in public high school? You know, nothing has changed. I've, I've changed internally, but how do I maintain that? And so I started trying to read Allah's words, but I just couldn't understand them. And I barely could read them. So she said, read it in English. And when I did, my life changed, subhanAllah, going to high school and something would happen and I'd come home and I'd open the mushaf and I'd find the same ayah of what happened to me was just right there in the Quran. I remember, I can't, I can share with you so many moments and I'm positive you have had them too. Any person who seeks the Quran, it's not because I'm special or you're special or someone's special. No, the Quran is literally for anyone who seeks it. Mm -hmm. So any one of us who seeks the Quran, we are going to have these spectacular moments where we're making a particular dua or where something is happening. And then we open the Quran and it's like Allah is talking to us directly to us. And so the more I experienced that, the more I said, I want to memorize this book. And so the first surah that I memorized was Surah Al-Mu'minun. And it was in the transliteration. So it was like all in English, you know, like the B-I-S-M-I-L-L-A-H, the yeah. whole surah, that's how I memorized it. And I memorized the English translation. So I understood what the surah was about. And then after that, I was like, I just want to memorize the Quran. And so I was 17 when I took my first class that I enrolled myself in. Wow, um, and alhamdulillah, it was a seven year journey to memorize it. Alhamdulillah, in the process, I learned Arabic, alhamdulillah, and the Quran is a lifeline, lifelong journey. The memorization is one part, but the review and the perfection, and it's, it's something that I, I still, it's something that I, I pray that inshallah, I will be able to perfect one day, but it's something that I work on. It's something that anyone needs to work, not anyone, me. I need to work on inshallah for, for, for a lifetime, inshallah. You know, you're sharing that story with me, subhanAllah. And, and what I'm hearing is that, you know, because I look at, I look back at my own journey through entrepreneurship and building Omarpreneur and, and this new vision that I want to to help create with the help of my team and so many people who believe in it. And looking back from where I am today, there's so many events that happened throughout my life. So many, you know, not just challenges, but even highs and lows that have led me to be on this path. Mm -hmm. And for you to share the story and to tell me, I, I was in a moment where, you know, I, I was, as you mentioned, my my kind of goal was like to be like Britney Spears. She was the idol back then. She was a big superstar. I remember her very well. And and then, you know, to, to stand in front of the Kaaba, subhanAllah, and then to feel that feeling within you. For me, I'm just hearing like, man, that's that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planted the seed because that's ultimately Qariya needed to come to life. And all these women needed to hear other Quran reciters that they could relate to and that would help them connect with the Quran. And the seed got like had to be planted in that moment. And that's just a beautiful, a very beautiful thing. SubhanAllah. I appreciate you sharing that with me.
that was very um, moving for me to hear. Thank you yeah. so much. I, I definitely believe that it, everything that, you know, comes to life has to come to life and it is allowed to come to life through the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so everything that happens in life happens for a reason. It's just beautiful to see sometimes looking back how all of the pieces come together when oh, going through the motions and moments, we don't really recognize that. Right. Yes. Yes, I, absolutely. SubhanAllah. Sometimes it's when you look back 10 years later and you're like, I had to go through that to get to here. Mm -hmm. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And, and, and something that you mentioned that I had wanted to mention and you were, you were like a good, that, that was a good segue into it. Um, was just that Alhamdulillah Qadiyas, you know, from the beginning is so supported from so many volunteers, like, MashaAllah, the developer himself, Shadi Sharif, his entire team, the way that they worked, they never missed a deadline. They were so, so eager to, to bring this to fruition. And they did so much of it. Um, you know, Shadi, may Allah bless him. He did so much of it as a volunteer because he just believed in the mission. He had just completed the Bridges International app with Dr. Fadl Suleiman. Dr. Fadl Suleiman, by the way, MashaAllah, who was, MashaAllah, may Allah bless him, he, his, his support for Qariya. Um, he he just added onto his app before Qariya even started. Sheikh Zainab Talha was recording for the Bridges International app because he wanted to include a woman's recitation with the app. So subhanAllah, despite all that they have and all the scholars that they include in their app, he was very intentional about wanting a woman's recitation. So mashallah, Sheikha Zainab is actually a Sheikha herself. She's completing her PhD right now with relation in Quranic research. Mashallah, she has so many ijazat in different fields of Islam. Um, but subhanAllah, she's the second woman after Hajjah Maria Ulfa to complete recording the entire Quran. And inshallah, because of Shadi's wife, Sara and their team, mashallah, we're going to be uploading um, her recordings inshallah to Qariya. But why I shared that is because so much of Qariya only happened, one, because of Allah's mercy, but two, because of so many people who believed in the message for mm -hmm. all of us are volunteers. All of them are volunteers. Every single person who's worked on this app, whether it's marketing, like Sabiha Shakil and Khadija Musa and Hadam Naina and uh, Farah Sadiq, like their entire team of marketing, may Allah bless them, Sadia Hassan, the way that she like led with Tenvir and Shifa completely led the back editing. You have a whole mashallah studio set up there. I was... I don't know if you already knew like editing or if you have like an editor, like we were learning how to edit as we're teaching volunteers how to edit so that we can, you know, get it all into an app. I have no background in tech. And so we had all these people like Amara Abbas come and like help me figure out how to do an app process because mashallah, he found a Quran reflect. So he had known how to create a Quran app from the beginning. We've had so many Deanna, she mashallah, she, she helped us with connecting with um, like Ahmed, who's a designer. I, I mean, I have so many names and people that I don't literally this whole podcast could be thanking them because without all of these individuals who put so much work into Qariya, even when I had to step away, because as you know, if you step away and you don't have a team, nothing continues. Correct. It just stops. Correct. And there were times that I had to step away because I was super sick or because of something with my family or something. But they kept the work going. And subhanAllah, when you said you have a whole team, you know, who's working on Omapreneur, that was just without the team of people who are dedicating so much time to this for free to make it work. The Qariyas who are recording to be able to add the effort that they're putting in, especially because we don't have all this content that just exists. We are creating the content, working with them to create the content. We shipped microphones around the world. We've been working with the tech in countries where they don't have 
the same levels of tech in every country to just put it all up. And it's not possible if it was just me, it physically would not be possible. So may Allah bless every single person in the background mm -hmm. who's working on this, who's so dedicated to it and dedicated to your, um, so to the vision that you started, but really subhanAllah, may Allah make it, make all of these visions so much more than just us. May Allah mm -hmm. make it just take off with, start, maybe there's needs to be a seed, but inshallah take off without it needing to be about the person. Yeah, inshallah. And I mean, to your du'as, I, I definitely agree. Honestly, they say if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. There's the only way to really build something of value and impact as many people as possible is if you have people with you that believe in that vision and mission. And it really sounds yeah. like you do, mashallah, which is absolutely crucial to your success. And again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you're on the right path to the right intentions, will place the right people in your life to help bring that vision to life, inshallah. Now, I want to ask you one final question that I ask every single guest that comes on this podcast and is one of my favorites personally, because it gets you to kind of think it puts you on the spot a little bit, but um, it shouldn't be too difficult for you. And that's if you could think back to your younger self, as you mentioned, when you were in high school, you were um, maybe you had maybe gone through Amara, maybe not, but you were really in those early childhood days and you could give yourself one piece of advice to hold on to as you go through this journey of life, right? and get to where you are today. What would you tell that person if you met your younger self? What would you tell them as one piece of advice to hold on to? Okay, this is going to get super emotional. So um, <laughs> as a woman, I, I feel like when I got really excited about Islam, I was told that everything was haram about me. It wasn't the action, it was me, it was my existence. And I would tell her that Allah did not create you to mute your personality, that Allah created you as you are to do something for this Ummah. I struggled for so many years hating myself because I thought that Allah created me as a woman with my personality and my interests and everything else because my biggest test in life was to hide myself as much as physically possible. And I don't mean hijab, I don't mean naqab, I don't mean staying home, I don't mean any of those fiqh issues. I mean, just as a person. Mm. And and I, and I just wish that I had listened to my parents or to the people who told me that Allah, Allah created you as you are for a reason. And SubhanAllah, maybe I had to go, I, I think I had to go through all of that so that I can understand when women tell me the other, but, but I would tell myself that I was actually worthy of Allah's mm. having hope in Allah. What would you say to maybe all those teenage girls out there? They probably not listen to the podcast, but hopefully maybe <laughs> someone listening to it will share it with them. But what would you say to all the, I, I think they tune into Omar Printer in the spare time, but maybe they do. I don't know. No, I think they listen to the corn song on TikTok. I think that's what they're doing right now. <laughs> Probably. But if you could, if you could pass on a message to them, which is similar to you, right. And like, and they might be in a position right now where we know, especially, and I have nephews as well that are growing up. They're now entering like the, the high school kind of teenager oh, age. And uh, I mean, and um, you know, I, I can see pretty much like when we were growing up, at least for me, it's like, and I'm sure for yourself as well. I think we're similar in ages. You know, we didn't have like TikTok and smartphones and all those things. I mean, I got right. a phone like when I was like maybe 18, 17, right. 18. Yeah. So I got my first phone. So 
you know, we didn't have all of those external influences just coming at us on top mm-hmm. of everything already that was mm-hmm. happening in our in, wow. throughout our lives. And now that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just this huge identity crisis. And, and really, this is why I personally absolutely love what you're doing, because I do truly believe that as Muslims, whether it's Muslim men and Muslim women as well, we need, you know, more positive examples and influences in our lives to help ground our identity. Ultimately, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think there's a big crisis in our identity as Muslims, and especially for us living in the West and in non-Muslim countries, you know, it's, it's really difficult when you were raised and all of your friends are non-Muslim around you and, mm-hmm. and everything you see on social media uh, is, is contrary to what you believe in. It becomes difficult if you don't have that strong foundation to then remain steadfast. And, you know, growing up, we all know you're kind of discovering life for the first time. Right. And so you have all these questions and everything that's going through your mind. And I just kind of thought of this because what you shared with me, I think rings true now, even more than ever, that there might be so many young women going through this. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you can share with them? Anything that you can tell them in regards to what they're going through? Some piece of advice to help them in that period in their lives. When we hear specific ayat or a hadith that are used without context, that are made to seem like, and this is a question I get constantly, and this is a question I had when I was learning about Islam. When they're made to seem like everything's about women in a way that's hurtful, that's not Islam. That's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not wanting you to be connected with him. It's not the Prophet وسلم, not being so gentle and loving and accessible to women. What you might see in your family or your community does not represent all of the centuries of Islamic grounding of women being a part of scholarship and teaching some of the greatest scholars. Almost any scholar we talk about, Ibn Taymiyyah, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, Ibn Hajar, literally like anyone had women who were scholars who taught them, may Allah have mercy on them all. And their names are recorded and the ijazat, the the, the type of the licensing that they had. SubhanAllah, Dr. Akram Nadawi, which I'm sure everyone is familiar with, has produced so much work on female scholars in the past centuries. Knowing that we as women come from this legacy of women who are scholars and teachers and and those women who stayed at home, whose voices we've never heard, whose names we don't know, but they contributed so much because of what they did internally within their home. And then the women whose names we do know because they did so much outside of it. You matter no matter what your space is. And subhanAllah, I want to share with you this amazing sister. Her name is Sana Khan. Mm-hmm. Mashallah. She has, um, she reached out to me after Qariya was published and she told me that she is a developer um, and that she wants to help with Qadia. And she has helped us take the vision from, um, you know, something that we listen to, to inshallah, what's going to be an interactive experience. And many people wouldn't know who she is. She's not all over social media. She works, she has a family, but she's contributing in such an important way with her talents and her passion. And when you have talents and passion and you're told you shouldn't do it or you're you're whatever you're told remember Allah created you the way you are for a reason mm-hmm. and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees the sees the potential you have internally so when everyone is telling you <laughs> a lot of things remember yes islam has guidelines 
And yes, we have rules and boundaries for how we interact with the world, but those things are there in safe ways for us to feel healthy and confident in the way that we are, in the way that we engage the people around us and the energy that we connect with others through and inshallah with the right intention, you can use all of that in ways that are healing in ways that when you look at the ayat and the hadith, they're so powerful and so healing for any, anything that you're involved in. And I feel like I just went in like 15 different circles and trying to express that. So sorry, I went all over the place, but I also just want to say that many times, unfortunately, we've been taught things that are really hurtful to women. And, um, as I've been, I'm writing a book, inshallah, it'll be out next year. It's about these particular ayat and a hadith. The more that I've read the scholars commentaries on them, the more that I've realized, subhanAllah, what I've been taught from one khutbah, one from random visiting imam, may Allah bless them, is not the same as centuries of scholarship, which I wish we had the depth that we were introduced to the depth of in every mm. single one of these issues. And the more that we study them in depth, the more that we realize that Islam, honestly, and I say this with all respect to my beloved brothers, I feel like Islam honors women to a higher degree. And that's another discussion, inshallah. Yeah. But there's a reason why we have all of these specifications and subhanAllah, it's such a healing. It's so healing to me, subhanAllah. And I pray that it's healing to other women as well. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. Jazakallah khairan. I think it was a beautiful discussion that we had today. And where can go? Where can people go to support you, to download the app, and in general, keep up with what you'll be up to in the future, inshallah? Jazakallah khairan. For the app specifically, you can go to Q-A-R-I-A-H.app. That's mm-hmm. the app website. We have the FAQ and we have the link. You can you can find Qariya, just Q-A-R-I-A-H on either of the of uh, Google Play or Apple Stores through there. If you have questions about Qariya, of course, you can message me on Instagram at T-H-E-M-A-R-Y-A-M-A-M-I-R at the Miriam Amir. Um, but also Qariya has our own Instagram page, which is Q-A-R-I-A-H-A-P-P. We're also on Facebook and uh, you are welcome to message anytime, inshallah. All right, inshallah. So we'll make sure to include those links in the episode notes. So if you're watching mm-hmm. on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just check the episode notes or description and you will find the links there to download the apps and connect with Sister Maryam, inshallah. Sister, it was Definitely. an absolute pleasure of a, of a podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I think more importantly than for me, I think this conversation was important to have for any sister who is listening who wants to reconnect with the quran and feels like she hasn't been able to do so and if you know anyone who you feel like could resonate with everything that we shared with today right please go ahead and share this podcast with them let them know about what sister Mariam is doing let them know about Qariya and introduce them to this beautiful app that she's building here this was an absolute pleasure sis she's like a little khayran. thank you for coming on